This is the Becoming Educated podcast. Our mission is to inform educators, challenge their thinking, and inspire them to teach with joy. So on the Becoming Educated podcast today is Tom Rogers. Tom is an experienced teacher and middle leader, having worked at schools in the UK for nine years and internationally for four. He was a history teacher, a head of history, and latterly an assistant head teacher. Tom's passion is in making schools better places for teachers to work in. This passion has inspired him to write more than 100 blogs for the TES and share with the profession through his own Twitter account, at Rogers History. Tom has also produced videos for his YouTube channel, has his own podcast and more than 20,000 students use his online courses. In 2015, Tom set up the Teach Me network, Teach Me Icons, which now hosts free annual events for teachers across the UK. Teach Me Icons has expanded significantly and has become a notable force for teacher CPD in the UK. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. It is a pleasure. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you in this time of lockdown? Well, been better. Sleep patterns are completely messed up. I can imagine that's the same. Screwed, I think, is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine that's the very same for for many a, many a teacher just now. Um, so, just to kick off the, the the interview, Tom, could you share with us a little whistle stop tour of your career to date, please? Yeah. So, I. Uh, started my teacher training in 2007 um, in in sunny sunny Aberystwyth um, and that was great um, did that for a year couple of placements first one in North Wales in a a school that was uh, right in the middle of a, a really tough estate housing estate that was my first placement got called Steve Sidwell quite a lot by the kids um and then second placement was was down in South Wales. Now, when I got that placement, my second placement, I thought, oh, I remember my holidays, you know, beautiful beaches in, in Pembrokeshire, lovely, quaint little villages and and kind of, you know, people dog walking and, and, and building sandcastles. And then I thought, I'll go down there for my second placement. And again, the, the second school was in the middle of quite a tough housing estate. Uh so that that didn't that worked out <laughs> but yeah um no I, I my training year was you know, a bit of a baptism of fire with the two placements i would say and then after that I, I thought i'd stay in wales and got a job in um up in north wales was really happy there five years in the school really happy in the in the school and uh did a few different teaching and learning responsibilities in the school like i was in charge of the the year seven skills curriculum for three years. Um, I also did a bit of whole school literacy work um, and obviously worked within the history department while I was there kind of supporting that. Um, and then in 2012, um, the head of history job came up in that school and I decided against going for it because I thought I need to be ambitious. I need to move so I passed that opportunity up uh, and then a year later I moved on to a different school to be the head of history there um, that was in a school in the northwest of England uh, I left that school after two and a half years at which point I was really burnt out um, and and kind of um, at that point the workload and the the pressure and the scrutiny had kind of got to me and I, I just thought enough is enough. I was what nearly 30, 30 years old kind of to point and I'd, you know, spent those eight years or whatever, seven, eight years kind of working at that capacity, uh, which is, you know, particularly in, in, in that latter school, I was, I was working all the hours. Um, and I, I just decided to quit. So I quit actually in the December, halfway through the school year in, in the 2015-16 school year. Uh, so I, I left at Christmas. I left not intending actually to return really to teaching. I was in a, a real kind of t uh, crossroads. And I set up my, my website. I started to design my online courses. I had just started Teach Me Icons at that point. So I was working with Kate Jones. I was working with... 
a few other people that I'd met through Twitter to, to set that up. And then kind of the months went by and we, we were heading towards the summer of 2016. And, and then I started to just miss the classroom. So I thought, well, why not try international teaching? And that's when I saw a job in Spain, went there. Fantastic time, really rejuvenated me, really made me <clears throat> recognize the, how much I love teaching, how much I still love teaching. Had an amazing bond with the students. In fact, we just did a Zoom call with, with the, the year 13 class from that school last week and uh, it was fantastic to see them and we still got that strong bond even you know a year whatever it is 18 months since I left Spain so after Spain it was after two and a half years and then uh, start of last year I went over to Slovenia I was I was over there as an assistant head teacher for six seven months um, and the school was was going through shall we say a rapid period of change uh, when I arrived into it, um, it was a really, really big challenge. Um, and I left that role in September last year uh, without a job to go to. Um, I achieved a lot in the role, but it, but I had to go. 50% um, uh, of the staff left the school um, while I was in post. Um, and um, the school was going through a rapid period of change, and I I felt that it was I, I needed to go uh, in September last year, so it was the right time, and and I did. But the problem with that was I had to move back to the UK, move back in with my mummy, um, start doing temporary contracts, which was never part of the plan. I've been very fortunate to work in two amazing schools, one of them in Leicester. Um, uh, Castlemead Academy, I'm sure they won't mind me saying the school. That was brilliant and fantastic kids, brilliant staff, fantastic head teacher, Tom Haig. Uh, and that was a job really that came about through Twitter. Um, and then after finishing that in the middle of January, another opportunity to, to come up here to another sunny place, sunny Blackpool, a little bit like Sunny Aberystwyth. Um, came up to sunny Blackpool and... Um, I've been working at um, St. George's Church of England Academy for the last six weeks. Again, fantastic school community. One of those school communities that's um, kind of your archetype school, uh, community school, you know, very much everyone knows everyone. Uh, the shopkeepers know the school. The, um, the staff have a very tight bond. And, um, and obviously Blackpool is, is, a, is a very, you know, parts of Blackpool are very, very deprived. It's almost in some ways like one of those left behind towns and, um, you know, no town should be left behind. And um, the school have done an amazing job. And um, Graham Warnock, the head teacher, actually, this, this one came about because I interviewed some school leaders uh, last year. Mm -hmm. and, um, one of them was, was Graham and, and Chris, the deputy. And when the opportunity to come here came up, as the footballers say, when the opportunity to come here came up, I, I, I wanted to give it a crack. And, as I said, it was um, my contract finishes 9th of May. So beyond that, don't know what I'm going to do. Looking for a permanent job. So if anyone's listening to the podcast and wants to employ me, either as a teacher or as a as a refuse collector, then I'm <laughs> I'm I'm very much available. Certainly. Well, I hope hope something something comes up, and we're going to come back to your interviews with, with school leaders later on, and the teaching me icons and and your website and all the things that you, that you've done in the in the interim. But to just kind of talking between the differences of, of teaching in the UK and then you went abroad and now, now you're back. Is there, is there a big difference between international teaching and teaching in the UK? Um, yeah, I mean, it's the, the biggest difference is the accountability is, is stripped out. So you you haven't got your Ofsted, you haven't got your performance tables. Um, and with that means that leaders... Even if even if the school has an, an impending inspection from an international inspection body, you know, like a a kind of a, a COBIS inspection or whatever, right? Uh, not COBIS, um, forgotten what they're called now, PENTA or or whatever, whoever does the inspections internationally, um, that's a very different uh, process than than in the UK. The, 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 when when you strip away, I say the UK and England because I know Scotland where you are is is is. Um, better it's like the promised land isn't it in some way 
Um, but I, I think internationally, it's probably more. I actually had a Scottish friend in in Spain, very good friends with him, and he always used to say, "Tom, Scotland is like that. Scotland is not England. Scotland is not the UK. We don't have the accountability." And actually, reading up on it from what I can tell that is true and he always used to bang on about we went home on a Friday at 2 o'clock or 1 o'clock or whatever he taught in Edinburgh so it's off we went and all this um, so he had a very positive view of it obviously I've never taught in Scotland but I think there's probably similarities there um, between Scotland Scotland you know would be probably more similar to teaching internationally but I would say that just means there's less pressure on leaders internationally to do things for for external agents now obviously you have, you're going to have more pressure from parents but usually in an international school the parents are going to be very supportive because because they want the best for for their own kids and and they, they're going to trust the teachers by and by to to get on with that and do it um it's less workload generally although i did post on twitter a few months back about the being less workload um internationally and and, and a few teachers in the middle east came back and said that's that's garbage tom you know we are working our asses off over here we we are doing as much as anybody in in the uk is doing however you then have to factor in as well that the vast majority of international schools are private private international so you're not going to have your class of 35 children 34 children many of whom have literally no interest in, 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 or some of them may have no interest in being there. Some of them may be positively against you and, you know, um, <laughs> want to want to cause you as much pain as possible in the time that you spend together. That That's just, I mean, nine times out of ten, that, that, that would be less likely in an international environment. Let's say that. Not impossible. Mm-hmm. Not impossible, certainly because um, that, that, that kind of thing can still happen. But generally speaking, it's going to be an easy... I, I think it's going to be... There's going to be less of that. Class sizes are going to be smaller, that's for certain. You know, your class sizes, you're going to be surprised if they get over 20 in a lot of contexts. Um, in Spain, class sizes were, were higher than that in, in many cases, but that, but that was because of the context of the school. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I think... Um, was your original question, was it easier? No, different. Just the, the differences. differences. Just differences. The differences. Yeah. I mean, again, pay is going to vary as well. You know, if you're in the Middle East or China, then obviously you're going to make a cash cow. Um, as, uh, yeah. Um, but if you go to Europe, actually, the salaries in many cases can be lower than the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you go to Mediterranean countries, uh, Portugal, Spain, Greece, Italy, your average salary there might be 25 mm-hmm. for a teacher and that's less than you know an experienced teacher in the uk might be on 35 yeah certainly and, and we got we in scotland we we secured a, a pay deal last year that puts a, a top skill p a top skill teacher up to about forty one thousand pounds so right i'll uh, see you in, i'll see you in glasgow next week <laughs> certainly certainly we we we, uh, we went on big uh, big rallies to try and Try and increase the increase the value of the profession, and we succeeded in that. And it's definitely definitely wonderful if that's the that's yeah, the good. that's the comparison. Um, earlier this year, Tom, you wrote a blog post titled "The Dark Side of International Teaching." Mm. Is this a warning for teachers who are considering working abroad? Absolutely, yeah, because there are some some cowboy schools out there, and um, you you gotta gotta be aware of it. Um, I, I think in the blog, um, I listed a teacher who was working in uh, Central Europe and had gone over uh, to a school and they'd done things. They'd, they'd broken the contracts. They, they'd done things that were technically illegal. Um, but because you don't have the union backing in, in, in many countries, you're not even a member of the union in, in many of these situations. And some of the contracts can be can be dodgy. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that in mind, they can, you know, it's it's a so sometimes it comes down to well, take it or leave it, stay or go. We're just going to carry on doing it the way we're mm-hmm. doing it. But suddenly, you've moved your whole life uh, to somewhere 
and um, you can't really leave, or at least you're going to have to plan your departure carefully. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there are cowboy schools out there, not many, um, and obviously there's certain things you can do to try and ensure that you don't pick you know, the Wild Wild West. So you could obviously check if they're accredited, um, check if their COBIS accredited, check if they've been inspected, have a look at the inspection reports, think about the location, you know, have a look. Uh, if you can visit, obviously do. You know, I mean, in many schools, you won't be able to do that internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also International Schools Review website, which is obviously a paid website. I, I don't know necessarily whether it's worth it, but some of the schools on there do have a lot of reviews. Others have very few reviews and and obviously the website contains reviews from teachers who've worked in the schools Mm. so that can be quite handy and also another one is just to check the parental parental reviews on places like google and facebook and see what people are saying and try and pick up a few vibes from that Mm. Um, but ultimately like any school you go to domestically or international it's a gamble at the end of the day Mm. you can do as much research as you want in the end You've just got to take the leap and hope for the best. And and then if it does go wrong, you just have to accept, I'm going to have to start again mm-hmm. somewhere else. Um, and I've actually just published an online course for, for people kind of deciding whether to leave their school and thinking about that element and then the whole job-seeking process. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's important to spend a bit of time thinking, do I want to leave this school? I, you know, I've, I would say... In my career, I've left probably two schools that I didn't have to leave, that I was relatively happy at, um, and neither of those departures have really served me well. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, any experience you learn a lot from, mm-hmm. and I've learned a massive amount. And actually, you could say that different experiences adva- can can help you advance in your career, even bad experiences. But but equally, there's a toll. Mm-hmm. There's a toll on your mental health. There's a toll on your physical health. There's a toll on your financial health. There's 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 multiple tolls to be had if you make a bad decision. So I made this course really to try and help people avoid bad decisions, basically, mm-hmm. and and think about that. Yeah, certainly. And I think of all that is worth kind of having a good think about when you if you're asking about moving school and doing it's worth doing your homework on on that school and also mm-hmm. thinking if if it is actually right for you and having that deep deep thinking yeah so so thank you for that Tom. and um, moving on now you've written over 50 articles for the tes and one of your most popular articles was about why teachers are far too often blamed for results can you share with us why that that shouldn't be the case well it goes back i mean you can i mean you can read the, read the article on the tes but but essentially there's a body of, of research um that exists that that really um categorizes that the impact that teachers have on student outcomes and it's very very important i feel before people jump on that to say it is about exam outcomes that we're talking about it's not outcomes in general because Mm -hmm. the outcomes in general for kids in a school can be astronomical on a personal level on a spiritual level on a on a well-being level on a development level right and i don't think there's any cap on how much of an impact a teacher can have in those regards. However, this was this is a body of research which specifically is looking at the impact that teachers have as a general rule on exam outcomes. And, and when I was reading all of this research originally, this was a couple of years ago now, I was just like, if this is the case, then why is our system built completely the opposite of this? Mm-hmm. So... A lot of the research, you know, obviously putting percentage, it was pointed out to me by Alex Quigley, very rightly so, and and Dylan William, that the using percentages to say, right, this is the impact a teacher has, you know, 20% or whatever, is quite a crude and and, and not necessary. It's not, you can't, you know, it's problematic, Mm -hmm. let's say that. But equally, it's an easy way to say, here it is, right? And a lot of the, those reports did use percentage figures. So, for example, like the Coleman report, the 1966 one, that used percentages and said, I think, I can't remember the precise figure, but it was like up to 20% impact that teachers had. And then 
the, the, the bigger elements were environmental factors and hereditary factors mm -hmm. that actually impacted results. And the King's College study, the most recent one that I quoted in that article, 55% uh, of uh, variation in GCSE outcomes was attributed to hereditary and environmental factors. So when you look at something like that, that's pretty, these are high numbers, right? And if you look at our system as it is now, probably we're up on 90% is to do with the teacher a lot of the time. We're up on 90%. We're, we're the other way around. You know, teacher factor in the American Statistical Association report was down at like 8% or something, 10%. These are like big studies. These aren't like Disneyland studies. These are quite big, substantial studies from what I read anyway. I'm not an expert, but mm -hmm. that's, you know, what I was reading. They were substantial. And if you put them all together, you know, that's why I came up with the figure, I think, in the article of like 10 to 30% or something like that, 10 to 20%. Because if you combine them all together, that, that was what, what it was coming out at. But it's like people, and, and Ben White has actually written a blog. It's well worth looking at because we had a chat about this. And then he kind of got inspired to write a blog looking at um, teacher search for meaning. Um, and it, he's written a blog there. And it's kind of, um, he, he references Viktor Frankl, you know, man search for meaning. And mm -hmm. uh, um, this idea that, teachers want to make a difference teachers want to feel like they can make a difference and teachers can make a difference but we've become very exam centric so what we've then done is we've said right we want to make a difference we can make a difference let's translate that into our exam centric system let's translate making a difference into exam outcomes mm -hmm. rather than if you went back probably 100 years ago to when, you know, the education system was being set up and established, you know, you go back to the Victorian era when it was about straightening out the children. You know, it was a, <laughs> it was what we would call like the character driven agenda that we have now, but times by about 10, including a cane. Right. Mm. Um, you know, and, and that's we, we've kind of gone away. From that, and that's why we now have you know free schools and academies that are open that are character schools, right? They've got character in the in the strap line, if you like. Um, but you know, and that's where I feel as though we've we've overlooked not only what that research says, but also the fundamental reasons that schools exist and and, mm -hmm. and our education system exists. Um, and and this this idea of teachers search for meaning ties into that because a lot of teachers associate if i don't get if i don't get good exam results then i haven't made the difference that i should have made and they've discounted all the other differences mm -hmm. and impact that they've made in in making that statement and i've done that before darren i'm not talking about you know i'm not speaking to the converted here like you know i've, I've done that before i've put a lot of pressure on myself for student outcomes i've put i've allowed other people to exert a lot of um, pressure and, 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 and control based on student outcomes and I've then felt a lot of guilt sometimes mm -hmm. with student outcomes, not, not guilt but pressure, guilt I don't know, combination of emotions and, and, and none of it was helpful to me none of it was helpful to the kids and actually also it was very skewed because you know, one thing we often forget is what the kids think in all of this and, 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 and how they feel about it and what they actually feel, you know mm -hmm. Um, th there might be a student in your class who didn't do particularly well in the exam, um, even on progress measures, didn't do particularly well, but feels like they were going through a terrible time. You know, you got the best out of them in the context. You know, there'll be loads of kids out there like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. I, I think it's very, very tempting to give yourself that meaning and give yourself that sense by saying, I did this. I got the record set of results in the UK for statistics. I did it. I did it. And then the following year, when it ain't very good, people will come after you. <laughs> and you can't say, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not claiming, you know, full responsibility for this. If the previous year you said that, that I, was, I did it, I was fantastic. But that's what, exactly what will happen. Exactly. <laughs> right? um, but that's not. You know, I don't know. It's just very. There's, there's a million things. I mean, we could talk about this for an hour. We're not going to. Oh, we're 100 percent. Um, could I find it find it fascinating yeah. that we 
that we narrow teaching down to a two-hour exam. And that Absolutely. And, and the, the the months that we the months that we spend, yeah. one of the most stressful and accountable times you feel is when you've got your uh, attainment meeting and you've got to justify yeah, why exactly. results have changed from year on year. Well, yeah. We don't take into account we've got different children year on year, but that's. Absolutely. There's a longevity issue there as well. It's how long it takes for students to make genuine progress. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about learning being this this embedding into long term memory. Well, how long does that take? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like we're doing progress checks even once a term or whatever. That's that's, you know, it's quite finite amounts of time um, to really make a, a proper judgment on on genuine progress mm-hmm. not just a you know that might be one tiny segment of learning and and then making a judgment on it mm-hmm. saying right they, they've made whatever percentage points of progress i mean there's a lot of lot of issues there mm-hmm. yes there certainly is so now moving on again tom one of your early blogs which i read off the back of hearing about it on, on nailers natter was uh, mm-hmm. nightmares and dreams i went back and, and had a read um, i know of many teachers can i translate that into what we, we laugh about it here in here is the Sunday night fear. Who's got the fear? Um, has this yeah. got, has this gotten easier for 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 you over time? And now that you're you're back in the UK compared to your your previous previous work internationally, De- definitely hundred percent. My my mindset's changed. It's not about the context for me of where I'm working. Mm-hmm. It's my mindset's changed. So about four or five years, I just let it go. I just start. I just I just let it go. I let it go on a personal level. Let it go on a professional level. I just said, you know what. I'm not doing this anymore. Once you let that go and you say, okay, I'll give you one example. Um, The conventional career trajectory. Yeah. Right. I need to get this TLR. Right. My next step is this. I need to do that. I I mean, I've met many, many teachers who said, I need to get this by this date. Right. Or, you know, within, within two years, I want to be doing this. Right. And even if you don't have such specific goals, a lot of teachers do have those kind of um, expectations on themselves. And and often their expectations built around leadership and management, which is far disconnected from actual actually being a good teacher. Mm-hmm. And often I think we overlook that, you know, good teachers don't necessarily make good leaders or, or managers. And, and there, there is a presumption there, which then leads to this idea, well, leadership and management is the promotional avenue. There isn't a promotional, there isn't often a promotional avenue for classroom teachers to take who want to just stay in their role and develop. Now, that's where, for me, Twitter and all the other stuff that I do has come into it. I've taken ownership for myself. Now, I think we're moving into a time where hopefully uh, with social media, and I don't just mean Twitter, I mean Instagram. You look at someone like um, Stacey Rea, the, the English teacher, mm-hmm. you know, has about 20,000, 30,000 subscribers on her Instagram live feed. Um, she's an English teacher up in Newcastle. She does like revision videos, right? Live live videos. Now, in a, in a conventional trajectory approach, Stacey Rea, in a conventional approach, it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. She's not getting a TLR for that. She's not an assistant head teacher for having her Instagram channel. She's not, um, you know, it's it, it, it's it's in a conventional on paper CV type of thing. It's probably irrelevant. Mm-hmm. However, her impact on thousands of students, not just hundreds, thousands of students, is going to be incredibly significant. You could say exactly the same thing with teacher CPD over Twitter, for example. Uh, people who, I don't know, communicate with others through Twitter or set up events. Um, you know, you think of something like the Brewed events. You, you you think of Research Ed. You know, whatever. You could you could list them all. Teach me icons. You know, whatever. Right. The impact again there on teachers is going to be very very significant. And that that you are, if you like, that that is an arm of leadership and management, but it's not within a school context. And I, I think that that narrow conventional approach still exists it's still and, and it should because i think it's one avenue that the te- but it's one avenue mm-hmm. it's not the only avenue you can take the, the 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 world we live in now with technology diversifying in the way it has with you know with with teaching and learning diversifying and and the opportunities are massive so teachers can take those opportunities and any anyone can take those opportunities it's like now you know for me so do I have Sunday night dread now? Well, no, because at the end of the day, it's not worth it. I'm, I, I'm just going to do what I want to do. 
mm-hmm. and what I feel like I can have the best impact doing. So for me now, I, I, I would be very keen on, you know, the last two roles I've had have been part-time roles. So, well, that's not true, actually. Leicester was full-time, but um, but this this one I'm doing now is a part-time role, three days a week, and then the other two days, I do my other stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you imagine for me on, on social media, you know, that might be talking to somebody over over direct message who's, who's struggling, or it might be answering a question, it might be sending a resource, it might be, you know, that is basically what a leader would do in a school mm-hmm. in many respects. Um, so... I guess it's just yeah it's just it's just letting go of let it's 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 establishing the fact there isn't just one avenue in teaching there are many many avenues and there is nothing wrong with the different avenues and and um just because some of them are a bit more obscure or perhaps or a bit more unknown it doesn't mean they don't exist and it doesn't mean it's not really significant Certainly, I think we're I think we're definitely moving into a time where where te- yeah. teaching's evolving and this idea of just just following that because you're, you're very right that I've got a chat with a lot of people in, in Scotland whereas the only way you can reward a good teacher is by giving them more work because you can't because if they don't want to be a manager it's the only way you can do it I mean formally and historically in Scotland we had the charter teacher status where you went through like a master's kind of kind of course and then you got paid a higher salary just to be an expert teacher but that's gone now, so there's no actual reward for for teaching, like you say there. But there are other avenues, and we're going to explore some of them now as as we move on. Because you you mentioned it a couple of times in the, in the interview, Tom, through your website and your Twitter handle, you you share resources and, you, and you've developed a lot of courses. How important is is that to you, and that you share it and, and help teachers? Really important. I mean, obviously, the reason that I started on social media. So I, I, at the outset my reason for being on twitter for example 2015 we're going back to now when i set up my twitter account was was actually just to share resources really and and um i would made a lot of um i had my youtube uh, channel at that point and i made a lot of these videos for i was experimenting with flip learning and i'd done a lot of these videos and I enjoyed doing it and, and I'd taken a lot of time over them and I wanted to, I almost wanted just feedback on them. I wanted people to be like, oh, I've watched your video and give me some feedback. Like, that was really good. I, and I wanted to get that wider audience. It's exciting. But that was really the only reason that I joined Twitter, really, mm-hmm. from the outset. But then, uh, obviously, I've told you about what happened in, in my own career, like 2015, 16. Mm-hmm. No, I ended up leaving, uh, quitting what i thought might be for good and then obviously my output changed my output changed to blogging and i'm realizing you know what i've got stuff to say here and i've got stuff that that can really change try and change the trajectory of discussion try and influence i think influence is the word try and influence the conversation Mm -hmm. and i feel that in 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 the stuff that i've had the opportunity and i'm going to use my words very well here had the opportunity to write because i'm not very good at many things one of the things i'm good at is writing you know it's it's very it's very rare i'll say i'm brilliant at something but i am good at writing it's something i've i've always been good at since i was a kid Mm -hmm. so i I was put in a position very fortunately with the tes approaching me and, and giving me a chance to to reach an audience with my writing not only that i had something to say and um it always reminds me of like walk the line the movie uh when johnny cash is in the recording booth with um sam whatever his name is and you know he plays a song and the first song is like a cover of some kind of gospel song that they did and he was like not interested like it's boring and johnny cash is obviously annoyed and and then he says have you got anything that you want to say like if you were gonna die tomorrow is that the song you'd sing and what what is that is that it is that would that be your dying song and then obviously what he then does is sing um false in prison you know and, and as acoustically and you can see he's angry you can see he's he's pissed off and that comes across and then he gets a recording contract mm-hmm. and and i feel like i had that inside of me about the teaching profession about some of the things that were, that were happening in it about some of the injustices about some of the way in which teachers were having to suffer for no reason. And, and that come out in my writing. And when I tied that into the fact that I could write, 
you know, and at times if I had the bit between my teeth, I could write really well. And then suddenly people were really empathizing with, with what I was writing. And the first, I think, three articles I wrote for the TEF went like viral, you know, like, I mean, one of them had like a million views across the world, you know, in the US and, and everywhere else. The one about parental um, responsibility, mm-hmm. student responsibility. And these are issues that people are a bit scared sometimes to talk about, mm-hmm. you know. So so I think that happened. And then obviously spawning from that, you know, you build up more connections through a network like Twitter. And, and suddenly people start to want to talk to you, you know, think about an account like Fakehead Teacher, you know, the parody accounts that have sprung up. It's the same thing. You know, okay, they're anonymous accounts, but teachers just want to know that other teachers understand them. And social media is hugely valuable for that. Mm-hmm. That's a hugely valuable element of it, right? This person, even if, even if it's an anonymous account, they understand me, they know what I'm going through, I can tell because of what they're writing and the way they're writing it. Mm-hmm. That makes a massive difference. Um, I wish I was on Twitter before 2015, you know, because it would have helped me hugely mm-hmm. to get a sense of perspective. Um so, in answer to your, your original question, um, can't remember what your original question was. Um, it was how important it is to share and, and help teachers through your resources and yeah. courses. Yeah, so I would say, very. I mean, that's the key. That's one of the key reasons to, to be there is to support teachers. I mean, that's that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I mean, like I think I said to a mate the other week, I said, if I could achieve the changes that I wanted, so I'll give you one example, Ofsted. If somebody turned around to me now and said, Tom, if we abolish Ofsted tomorrow, will you leave all your social media, shut down your website and do all that? I'd be like, yeah. All right, then. Um, because that's, you know, that's something I feel would make a huge difference, mm-hmm. a much bigger difference than anything I could personally do on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's probably other examples of that that I would throw in. So yeah, it's hugely important. There certainly is. And when you spoke earlier about Teach Me Icons. So you set up Teach Me Icons, which which to me looks yeah. outstanding from afar. I mean, if I didn't live live so far away in Scotland, I would have definitely attended the the P Icons meet. I think it was, I think it was, yeah. it was cancelled because of things. And it looks so yeah. fascinating. And I've watched some of the the videos that you put on Twitter of the, of the people speaking. And for me, as a professional, I, I, I in Scotland, I crave more of these these opportunities to mm. go and speak. I mean, we only have the a couple of conferences, but they just don't get to the meat and bones of of actual mm. learning and teaching. Whereas mm. Teach Me Icon certainly does. Um, what made you develop that, and and, and where's it going next in terms of its journey? Um, again, um, a, a, a reason is to help teachers, and, and because I love teaching, I love teach. In fact, it's a selfish thing. I love teaching, so it's like a hobby to me. It's not even work. It's like some people like going to car, classic car shows. I like going to teaching events. That's why when I see on Twitter, oh, Saturday CPD and mm, let's cancel is no doubt because it's like a hobby to me. It's like going to the pub, right? Because I enjoy it so much. So part of the reason for setting it all up was a selfish thing for me because I enjoyed it. Second thing is obviously the impact it could have because I'd been to a few little teach meets myself Um and um, before this, so in 2015, I went to a couple of teach meets and I saw what they were about and I thought, oh, this is got this is interesting. And then obviously the history event, you know, and we were really lucky at the outset um, that we had uh, people who supported us. So companies who wanted to sponsor us right from the word go. And then um, teachers who were willing to come and speak for free and, and get involved. And, and then suddenly it's like, oh, hang on a minute. This is awesome. Like, this is absolutely quality. And that's when I thought, right, I'll roll it out to other subject areas. We expanded the sponsorship. Um, and just the level of interest just went huge, you know, like particularly in the history event. You know, you think about history, geography, um, the English maths, the maths event now is, you know, these these are big events. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of interest around it. And um and and obviously the coordinators again. You think about the companies, the the the, the coordinators who volunteer their time to organise the event. They're a bit like me. They're junkies. They're, they're they're junkies of teaching CPD. They they just love it. They can't get enough of it, and it's like gives them a buzz. So it's like yeah, I'll, I'll do that because it's cool. Um, 
And obviously, second to that, it gives me a massive buzz being able to give the coordinators a real professional opportunity now because obviously the, the event is to such a point now where being the coordinator or being a team organiser of one of these events is a really good thing for your own professional development, mm-hmm. um, for your kind of CV, for you know, for different reasons. It's I can give opportunities now um, that I never thought I'd be able to, to give. I, I never thought I'd be in a position either with Teach Me Icons or my Twitter account or whatever I do where I can develop other people mm-hmm. in a way that I want to develop them. Not like, how can we get better pieces of data on this piece of paper? How can we, how can we like, you know, tap into this progress chart? Whether these are like, this is different. It's just a different way of making a difference, and that's what I'm passionate about is making a difference. I think we said just before we started the podcast, didn't we? About I'm always looking for new ways mm-hmm. to make a difference. So the speed dating event, for example, that I've got on Wednesday, you know, for teachers. So it's like new thing. It's like new ways of making a difference. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like I like that innovation. I like being creative. Yeah. So so in terms of that, what's next for for Teach Me Icons? Where's it Where's it going? You just, is it just going to continue and, and carry on? More or? sub More subjects. More subjects. Uh, more online elements. We've now got a resource page through Tez Resources where all our presentations go on there for free after the event. Uh, we've got the um, uh, podcast partnership with Kate Jones. So obviously, Kate's one of the founders of uh, TM History Icons with, with me. You know. Um, she was one of the the, the, the original organisers, if you like, um, and um, just building it really, build, seeing what capacity we have and seeing what we can do with it and doing new things. And you know, we, we, we've talked about yeah, there's, there's there's a few different things in the pipeline that we've got, um, and just continuing to deliver the level of events that I want to deliver. Like I wouldn't be happy if we organised an event and it was like yeah, it's decent. Like mm-hmm. people are giving up their Saturdays. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, a big advantage is all the events are free and you get a Prosecco bar. So, you know, a free lunch, a Prosecco bar um, and a whole free day of CPD. So obviously, you're hoping that people are going to say, well, this is good anyway. But I'd be gutted if the event was like, oh, yeah, that was all right. Like, I want people Mm -hmm. to be like, that was phenomenal. Yeah. And to be fair, due to the organizers we've got, you know, you think about uh, Alex in history and all the organisers that I've got are just, like, ridiculously good. Like, I'm not even joking. <laughs> like, sometimes I'm laughing at myself because I'm like, Tom, you are just pathetic compared to these people. <laughs> these people are, like, machines, yeah. right? You know, it's like, right, here's the to-do list, you know, and they, they, like, just ping you this document that looks like the Matrix, and you're like, <laughs> right, okay, good, good, crack on. Um, but it's, you know, I think um, for me now, it's just about um, protecting the vision we have for the for Teach Me Icons and making sure we, we're, we're doing the right things in terms of why it was set up in the first place. And, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff yeah. really is is what, and, and obviously the um, uh, sponsorship development and um, making sure that we, um, making sure our sponsors get value because that's, that's why teachers can go for free. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, it's just making sure, you know, one of my key roles is making sure our sponsors get, get value and, and see a value, not not just from a business side, but a professional side as well. And I feel like they all do at the minute. And, and that's all, you know, you can't make every person happy, obviously, but m- most of our sponsors are, are really happy. So that's that's good as well. Definitely. Well, I hope to see more of the, the Teach Me Icons as soon as the, the lockdown's over. And, yeah, and cheers, the, mate. And the quality continues yeah. to... Because to, when I look at the feedback on Twitter, it definitely does come across that they are outstanding events. Um, kind of moving further into to the work, you mentioned your YouTube channel earlier on, and I really enjoyed yeah. your, your YouTube interviews with school leaders, your mm. series of school leaders. What are your key takeaways from your chats with school leaders? Well, there's too many, isn't there? I mean, it's... Um... Just, just how 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 strong um, many head teachers are. You think about the crisis we're in now, mm-hmm. you know. And I've often talked about my own kind of um, mental health uh, in the past. And, and and one of the things that I struggle with is um, is kind of second guessing myself and and, and um, doubting myself, doubting what I'm doing, and and, and worrying, overthinking, right? So, so when I look at a head teacher, I think you are having to compartmentalize so much angst every day. You think about the situation they're in now, you know, and um, it's like being calm under pressure. It's like not overthinking what you're doing. 
thinking about others, not yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm pretty selfish. So when I think about head teachers, they're doing. I mean, obviously, some head teachers might have incredible. And this is where I like, you know, the head teachers who will turn around and say, "It's my team. My team are doing X, Y, Z." So you've got Darren who's doing this. You've got Sophie who's doing this. You've got, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. and, and so on. I think building up the team. It's like what I said earlier about developing people. I think a lot of really amazing head teachers that I've worked for are always keyed into how they're developing others and how they're showcasing others and building others up. It's like it's almost like you you're the top person in the in the organization, but in some ways, like you're shining a light on others. Like you're the top person to shine up to do the the behind the scenes work and shine a light on others, mm-hmm. you know, and build them up, you know. Um, but I think um, what I took from it was just how inspirational um, many head teachers are, um, and how they function mentally and, and emotionally. And that's what I really wanted to try and dig into in the interviews a bit more than just oh, what 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 have you done or what do you do on a day to day, but more in terms of their thinking patterns and how they go about you. You think of, um, but the different characters as well. You think about the different leadership characters. You know, like. Um, I'm thinking of, you know, Catherine Burble Singh. You know, I'm thinking of she's she's formidable. You know, mm-hmm. and the team. You know, but but she's one of a kind, right? Um, and then you've got other leaders who are more diminutive, and they're all successful in their own way. You've got other leaders who are who are quite quiet, quite um, introvert in some ways, like like you know, not not kind of extroverted. And they all work. They all work, but in the different ways, and they all have different impacts, and they all they all lead in different ways. But they all have a very, very significant impact. And you, you think about it at the minute. You know, I just see a lot of them as heroes. You know, at the minute, it's like um, it's kind of like you know the analogy of like uh, this is probably a bad analogy, but you think about um, you know after after other disasters in the world, and you know like the firefighters in in nine eleven, you know things like that. And that's how I see. Mm-hmm kind of your head teachers and senior leaders at the minute they're just like doing it aren't they they're just doing it they're just making it happen and when i look at you know the youtube interviews with uh with them i just see i just see so much like inspiration in what, what they do on on a day-to-day basis and that's what they were built for and 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 as i said for other people like myself i'm in a position where i can interview them or i can maybe widen their voice uh, in the education community and um i mean some of them don't need that widening of, you know they don't want it or need it actually but um but it's nice to be able to do that you Definitely. know um, share that uh, share that share their thinking across the across exactly the exactly give give it's like you with your podcast you know it's like okay give people a chance to um to talk mm-hmm. and share and and then impact you know certainly i think that's the that's the one my uh, my slogan is to and to challenge to to inform challenge and inspire and i think that's what you what you can do through through the conversations that you have with with people and, and you definitely felt that through your your interviews with school leaders um we're coming towards the the end of the interview section in tom and just before we kind of move into what i call my final three of the three questions that i ask all guests um what are your plans for the future and then on top of that where can listeners find out more about you and engage with you tom plans for the future uh carry on teaching because i love teaching um not really sure <laughs> exactly where the path's gonna go uh, i want to carry on teaching i want to um uh carry on doing everything i'm doing i mean i love doing everything i'm doing at the minute so you know making my online courses doing my podcast teaching history uh talking to other teachers writing sometimes you know all these things i love doing so i just want to i want to be able to be able to carry on doing the stuff i love and i'm in a very fortunate position to be able to do that and 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 you know be able to put put stuff out there and develop stuff mm-hmm. you know so i just want to carry on doing that um in terms of where to find me i'm at rogers history on twitter um that's with no d um and uh yeah my website's rogershistory.com so if you want to get in touch about anything then yeah just drop me a line 
Definitely, and, I, and that's certainly how I got in, got in touch with you, and, and thank you for for coming on the coming on the podcast. Now on to the, the final three, Tom. Um, and the first question of that is: is what book or text has had the biggest impact on your career? Teacher Teacher Toolkit by uh, Paul Guinness. Uh, big like black and white book with loads of teaching activities in it. I love that book. I just like used it as a bible in my first couple of years of teaching. And even now, I like redevelop. I, I mean, a lot of the stuff, ideas now that you see that that they've developed from that book. Mm-hmm. Even people who were coming up with in inverted commas new ideas, well, a lot of them were ideas that have always been there. But 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 that book really is just quintessential like teaching strategies book, and it's like a manual, you know. So yeah, obviously Paul's unfortunately passed away. Um, you know, uh, in recent years, but mm-hmm. like the book's like still legendary for me. Yeah, he lives on in the in the book. Now, thank you for he that. He lives on, hundred percent. If um, second question, if you could give just one bit of advice to to a teacher, what would it be? Be yourself. Follow your own path. That's it. See you, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's pretty pretty succinct. You did say you would be you would be succinct. I think that's beautiful. Be yourself for your own path, and I think you've definitely you're definitely one of the, an example of that. And then my my last question to you, Tom, is something that, that really fascinates me because you get at there's so so many things that just get in the way of great teaching. So what do you think gets in the way most of, of great t- teaching and learning in our classrooms? Um. Policy, um, irrelevant stuff, um, paperwork, uh, workload, stuff that isn't going to impact the kids. Mm-hmm. That, that's what gets in the way. If we can continue to work at stripping away all that stuff, then that's that's where we're going to have that positive impact. Certainly, I, I, to, I totally agree. Well, Thomas, now, now at the end, so I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you so, so much for giving me uh, giving me your time this morning. Been a I really pleasure, Darren. Thank you, Tom. You're a good egg. <laughs> thank it's you. Easter, so I'm, I'm saying that. <laughs> I love, love the, love the metaphor. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Educated podcast. Until next time. Teach with joy.